0: Hello and welcome to the Write for Your Life podcast, a show about creative writing, copywriting, reading and the ever-changing publishing industry. Bandwidth for September has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all the content here at 5x5 and they really are tremendo. Check them out at cashfly.com, that's C-A-C-H-E, fly, and do let them know that you heard all about them here on 5x5. I'm Ian Broom, and I am joined, as always, by
1: by Donna Sorensen. Hello, everybody.
0: And uh, I'm impressed
1: that you've already, after about thirty seconds into this podcast, made up a new word.
0: Tremendo. Yep. Well, it's great. You know, I think it's obvious that uh, as grateful as we are, and as fantastic as Cashfly are, um, uh, it's uh, you know, I'm reading it. I'm reading that out. That's not all. <gasps> <up. laughs> Really? I'm reading it out that's you know you've seen I don't know what the phrase is it's the something about a sausage See hmm. the see the sausage factory you see the machines in the sausage factory I think that's the saying And um what's, cook what's the saying? Cook the sausage?
1: Oh, I'm completely lost.
0: There's a phrase about sausages which is about seeing how people actually do the uh, things that they do on the Really? Inside yeah i'm get I, I have actually genuinely forgotten what the real saying is, which is why I'm saying sausage so many times
1: okay, well, tremendo is a great word, and I think it should be a name for a superhero, a really inept superhero if it's not already been used in that capacity.
0: It could be. it's the one word in the readout that I feel like I've got some license to change, so um so <laughs> so I am doing
1: it's fantastic. um have you had a good week?
0: I've had a very positive week. I've had a positive week in a number of ways, but um, primarily in the the writing fiction way,
1: which Ooh, is which we like is. I like to hear that.
0: I like to hear that. I like to say it, and um, and it's all to do with, and this is this is this is ground we've 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 uh, trodden carefully before. Actually, we 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 trod it fairly ineptly before i think in in the sense that we struggled with sort of the idea of daily word counts and and that kind of thing but i've i've uh, discovered something that i um well i knew about it a long time ago but um i just never used it as a particular function in scrivener and i've been using it this week and it's entirely changed the way that i think about daily word counts and so far so good it's early days don't get me wrong but um i found it really really helpful Um, are
1: you going to tell us a bit more about that later on
0: uh, you watch me
1: I can't but I would like to hear it
0: alright I'll just talk about it then
1: (laughs) Um, I see here because I've been um, not on Twitter very much this week I see on the 13th of September that you tweeted I have the house to myself for an hour time to frantically work on novel I'm writing hashtag did you Um, that's what I want to ask you
0: I actually did not do a great deal of um, uh, of writing that night. I can't remember what happened, but I, I ended up, because I'm also still working on the on the website that I'm trying to uh, redo, my website to include all my freelance stuff. So it's been a redesign. I've said before, this this very episode is uh, sponsored by Squarespace.com, and uh, we'll be talking about them later too. And I've been using Squarespace to try and update my site, and it's extremely easy. It just I just need to write the content, which is what I said last week. I'm slightly further on with that. So I, I have I've I've had other tasks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, So that particular night, I didn't do a huge amount of writing, but I think that probably was the night that I had my word count epiphany. (laughs) And then every night since then, I've been writing and productive.
1: Yeah, well, that sounds great. So you've been writing a few nights, not just one snatched moment, brief moment.
0: That's all it takes.
1: (laughs) No, but it's great if you can get a bit of momentum. That's what I think you and I lack at the moment, we seem to be able to just find the odd pocket of time here and there but to actually do it consistently over a few nights, that is that's gold.
0: Well it's not over a few nights, it's over weeks and months, that's how I wrote novel number one when I had no children and and no business to run that's, uh, I, yes I, I still had a full time job and I still had to sort of um, uh, find pockets of time, but you know, I re- when I wrote, I really wrote, and now for you know weeks on end, I, that's that's all I would do in the evenings, pretty much. Probably not every evening; I would have like a couple of nights off, but I could guarantee that it would be five nights a week, and that is exactly what uh, what it takes. That's the reality of it. There is no other way around it. I <laughs> wish that the, I wish that there was, but there isn't. Um, but
1: the reality is, is that uh, I saw something else that you you'd tweeted about writers who'd. Um, found fame after the age of 50 finding those uh, those cons- uh, consecutive nights might not happen right now it might you might just have to say you know what that's that's something for October do
0: but you know you, what I mean it's I, I know ex- I know exactly what you mean and like I I have uh, a small anecdote about that if you uh, would permit permit me such uh, liberty
1: <laughs> permitted
0: um you're absolutely right. And this is, I should preface this by saying this is no criticism of anyone over the age of 50. <laughs> um,
1: uh oh, you know what that means. <laughs> this is going to be totally ageist.
0: But I, th- I think that you are right in a sense. I am, you know, I, I've been doing my best over the last uh, 18 months, two years, to forgive myself. And I think it's important that writers do do that sometimes. If you have so much going in, going on in your life that writing every day or even just writing at all is practically impossible, then it's important not to beat yourself up about it and just to look at your life, kind of take yourself out, of, take your writer's hat off, be objective and say, I can't really do this at the moment and as much as that's annoying, um, that's just the way it is, it won't always be this way. So I, I have tried to bear that in mind when i've been busy with the you know the the with the, with the having twins business and uh, and the actual um having a business business um and that's dead important and i do think that you are i think you're right you must be fairly right especially if you're um gosh i'm going to upset a load of other people as well now but you know if you're fairly middle class or well to do and you're in your 50s or 60s or maybe even 70s there's a chance that you're if you have kids that they've grown up and moved away there's a chance that you're just altogether more uh, stable in terms of uh, where you live and the, the the things that you do as as hobbies um, where, you, what, where you work what you do for a living all those kinds of things. I know that's not the case all of the time, but I think it's i don't think it's too unreasonable to 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 suggest that that might be the case most of the time um and my anecdote, and I realise now it's not really an anecdote, it's just sort of a series of fairly inconsequential facts. However, when I did my MA writing course um, at Sheffield Ham University, starting in 2003, um, I was well, the youngest there by some distance, um, so there were probably about 30 to 40 people on the MA at any given time, maybe slightly less, I'm not sure, maybe slightly less, Um but I was the youngest. I did it straight out of university. I finished my undergraduate degree. Then the following year, I thought, I'm not going to go and travel around the world and and uh, and live my life. I'm going to try and be a writer. And then maybe in a decade's time, I might get a book published. That's what I was thinking. Hooray! Um, result. Indeed, result. And um, and and so I was 22, 23, and and there were a few people, early 30s, probably. Maybe a couple of people late thirties, early forties, and then there was a great swath of people who were around the fifty mark and some slightly older the The kind of uh uh the what's the uh, what's the phrase I don't know, but the the greatest percentage of people I think were were certainly older for want of a more accurate word and um and I was kind of struck by that, but I kind of thought well that's that's you know i'm I'm the youngest, so <laughs> I look at everyone as being slightly older. What does it really matter? But thinking about it now, the reason that there probably weren't many, the reason there probably weren't many people my age at the time doing the MA was potentially, possibly because it was expensive. And I worked; I had another job. I had a job um, setting a, setting the tone for the rest of my writing career. I had another job at the same time to try and fund uh, to try and fund the uh, course. And my parents helped out, and um, I managed to get through it. But it's it was. It was about three thousand pounds for what was a year's course, and then five years writing up time, where you do get support, but not. You know, it's not a. It's a few hours over the course of a year, and um, and so I was really struck by that kind of divide. There was there was uh, a few young people, and then most people were in in their fifties, and 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 it not all of them were um there to get published. I was there because I thought... I mean, I'm, I, I was slightly joking a minute ago, but I really did think this is going to be the start of what I hope is a career writing fiction. Um, I'd hoped that I would, you know, perhaps end up earning enough money that I didn't have to have a full-time job, but I knew it, I knew that that was a huge possibility, if not, um, if not very, very likely. But there were a lot of people there, and they were mainly older, and I think that they were just there because they could afford the course. They were, you know, they'd written for years... And they were just in a position to, to, to do it. It wasn't a big deal to travel to Sheffield or, or, or to just take Wednesday afternoons off every week for a year and see where it went. And, um, and there's it must be um, a very kind of free freeing. I'm not sure that's a word. Um, mm-hmm. Word to uh, no, I have to say the word word again. I've said the word word three or four times now in the space of five seconds.
1: We like the word word. Yes, but it must be a freeing.
0: It must be a freeing feeling. Freeing feeling. <laughs> um, feeling,
1: feeling, yeah. To uh, to be able to do that, you mean
0: to be able to do that, and 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 um, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I do think that I was. You're the having an,
1: an ageist rant. No, no really. I know it's. I know exactly what you're saying. And oh. It's it's the same with writing groups. I found as well. I was always like way younger than anybody else in the writing groups I've been in, but there you you feel like it's that is something people are doing in their spare time and it makes sense that there'd be a lot of people who have more spare time doing writing in their spare time i guess i'm surprised that um that there weren't more younger people i guess another reason maybe why there weren't so many young people doing the creative writing course probably because they hadn't come up with what they wanted to write in life you know i guess it's not it's not even if you want to be a writer and write a novel you might not have the idea for what you actually want to write at the start of your, or when you're starting out.
0: No, I think that's a really valid point, and also I've always been quite open and 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 said that I think that, well, I certainly hope that my that my best work is to come, and I think that we should all hope to think that even when we're writing later on in life. I'm sure we always think we can get better, but those, you know, the first novel is. You know, they are, it's the first novel, as it is for everyone, and you know you do tend to get better. You kind of know what you're doing more. You know what works and what doesn't. And you're and you're absolutely right. You kind of have more life experience and and um, and all that kind of thing. So yeah, there are lots of factors in that. But it it was interesting to uh, go back to the old school that you mentioned. It was interesting to uh, to uh, to know that there are lots of authors sort of only getting published and having any modicum of success when they get older.
1: Do you know how old Ian McEwen was when he did the creative writing course? Because he did that, didn't he, in Norwich?
0: Yeah, he did. He was, I think he was in the first year of the first ever creative writing course. Um, I wonder,
1: I'd be interested to know how old he was.
0: Yeah. Well, so I thought you were going to tell me.
1: Uh, well, if you uh, sing for a minute or do something else, I might be able to tell you.
0: I'm not sure I'm going to do that. <laughs>
1: this wouldn't be the first time you've sung on the podcast you keep uh, bringing up your band and the amazing song lyrics that you used to write anyway uh, yes so, okay so i don't even remember how we got onto this subject oh it was asking yes about your tweet whether we uh whether you did get any writing done this week
0: <laughs> is that really what started all that
1: it was that's the that's the the nature of the Write for your life podcast we tend to go on massive writing related tangents
0: indeed but we found- always
1: end up back in the right place don't we
0: Yes, the end.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, So, great. Well, it's good to know that you've had a productive writing week.
0: And uh, you've been reading about character voices.
1: I have. I stumbled across some very interesting articles in The Guardian this week about um, the voices that we hear when we read characters in books and how important this is also in relation to the... Voices we hear when we are writing characters in stories. Um, and uh, we will put these, before I discuss them, we'll put these links in the show notes, won't we? Ian? And I'm going to ask you this time, where are the show notes going to be?
0: 5by5.tv slash WFYL slash 128.
1: That's it. That's where you're going to find it. So you'll find two articles there. The first one is called Accents, Narrators and Total Silence How You Hear Voices When You Read. Um, I, when I read this, I was like, yeah, yeah, of course I hear, of course I, um, my characters, when I'm reading them in books, of course they've got like unique voices and I do the accents and I visualize what they look like. And then I thought, hang on a second, that's what I think I do. And that's what you think you should do, but do I actually do it? And having that, that process, trying to send myself back to the last book I read because I couldn't just go and sit and read a book because that would I don't think it would be a fair test. I would sit there and I would try to imagine the voices. It was really really difficult. And I was like maybe I maybe I just hear my own voices narrator narrating these characters and I can see their faces and I can see them moving through the scenes and and the events that are happening to them because I definitely visualize what they look like and what the places look like. But the voices I was suddenly in doubt about whether it was my voice that I could hear, because I can definitely hear a voice, whether it was their voice that I'd made up. Um, If you have to think, Ian, about this, would you say that you give characters when you're reading voices, different voices?
0: When I'm reading them? Yeah. Um, I I have been thinking about this because uh, I knew we were going to talk about it. Um, I I, I don't think I do. I do you think
1: it's just you do you think it's just ian broom saying tongue and then he put his tongue on the lamp and got electrocuted
0: <laughs> which is what you talk like um i i did uh, i i don't even think it's me it's my voice like because of doing the podcast and because i i, I you know in for work i i I'd often record myself and for pleasure um i uh I'm used to hearing my own voice, and if I think about the voice that's in my head when I read, I don't think it's the same voice. I don't know who this person is that's reading all these <laughs> books in my head. Um, well, that's
1: quite exciting. So you have a you have your own character that's narrator.
0: I don't think it's even a conscious thing. I think that's when, when I've when I think about this, it's weird because it's like meta thinking, isn't it? You're thinking about what you're yeah, actually thinking. thinking about
1: thinking, yeah.
0: And quite often, what you're thinking in your head when you're reading is what another fictional person is thinking. Um, and I, I just don't know if it's a conscious thing that's going on. I mean, you hear the words; you do hear the words. It's not like it just you just absorb um, the the text when you read. But I don't. I don't honestly. I'm not able to picture. Uh, a narrator, or the characters, or anything like that. I mean, I mean, I can picture. I have an idea of what they might look like, just because mm. of, just because of obviously, um, it, they may be described. But actually, even then, I don't know if I can. I, if I literally put like an eyes and nose and a face, it's almost like the characters in my head are walking around like um, I don't know, unfinished. Like in a dream. Like an unfinished Mr. Potato Heads.
1: I know, exactly. Sometimes I think that I see them always from the back of their heads, like looking out, like I am, they are my avatar in the book.
0: Yes. Yeah. But I, it's not even, it's not a conscious thing.
1: No, but that, that's why it's so difficult to think about thinking, because it's not conscious. And as soon as you start to try to pick it to pieces, it becomes conscious and then you make up answers to these questions that's exactly what i was saying i i now I'm, I'm i'm totally unsure about it and i i think i'm going to find it difficult to surprise myself um by not thinking about it next time i read a book and then realizing that i do have a, a i do make voices for my character or the characters um
0: i don't know what because, any of this means though i don't know what this means i don't know what i uh, and and well but i think I'll...
1: it's interesting because they they uh, the Guardian goes on to, it links to other things. Um, for example, the fact that obviously not everybody finds it easy to think about this. And there are some writers that have written about how they hear voices and how they use that when they're writing, such as Virginia Woolf and Hilary Mantel. And the fact that it's like really important in writing. So I, I was actually thinking about the fact that when you're writing something, then you, it must be easier to hear them, the characters, with their own voice, as opposed to you giving the characters their voice because you are, you are consciously trying to be them and not to be yourself.
0: I think, I think that, I mean, I've, my, my Frangelica was his first person, and I, th- thinking about it now and again, I don't know if I did this consciously at the time, but I think that I was looking at it like. Like I was playing Call of Duty or something, like I, like mm. a, like a third person type of, or sorry, like a first person, like like, you know what I mean. Just like there's a vista that I wander around, like yeah. li- literally seeing it from from my character's eyes, but not seeing it because this is this comes back to the whole thing of all oh, my characters led me. Uh, all that nonsense like oh you know i just did what my i just wrote down what my characters needed what were they how they felt what they wanted to do that's nonsense when i say that i was looking at it from a call of duty point of view i was thinking okay what would this and this is a very mechanical process this is not what does my character feel it's literally like okay if my if this scene is my character at a bedroom window what Mm. would what would he realistically be able to see if he was stood in this position and And then I would describe what he could see, and so if someone comes out of a door from across the road, i'm not thinking um I'm not thinking about what what are the emotions he feels i mean I guess I am thinking those afterwards, but my first initial feeling is you know would he be able- would he be able to see uh the colors of um uh, of her fingernails, something like that, the yeah. way they're painted if she's smoking a cigarette, would I be able to see the way that she holds the cigarette in her her hand these are all things that I thought about when I was writing a novel I wasn't thinking what um you know I wasn't thinking what would he say and what does he sound like or or even how does he feel it's like a when you're actually writing I think it's a far more mechanical process I mean there are much larger kind of But you
1: just said you you weren't thinking about what he would say do you mean to say then you were just actually just you were writing it
0: no, I I would think about those things later, but it wouldn't be the first like the first stage of writing a scene is from, is often for me is plausibility. Could this actually happen? And if I'm describing this, where would things actually be in the room? If I need to, I've just written a scene where a teacher gets locked in the cupboard, and the entire class, you know, by the by the class, and um, and uh, and it was. And the narrator doesn't kind of get involved. So I was thinking, where would all these people be in this room? And then the narrator goes over to his uh, future girlfriend, um, and uh, and they go and let him out. And in my head, I was uh, certainly the first write through, first draft. I wasn't thinking about how would they feel about this necessarily. I was thinking, what are the practicalities of this scene? and 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 where would people be and even thinking about this now i still i still don't have a i still can't tell you i don't describe it in the novel and i don't think i can actually tell you what i think the lead character of my novel that's been published for 2 years what they look like hmm. I, I honestly have no idea i just i mm. they're a man in their 50s
1: but i i i knew what he looked like but i couldn't describe it to you i've read the book and and i was I can tell you what the back of his head looked like because <laughs> that's how I read him. But yeah, it's very interesting you say that about the fact that you're thinking about the practicalities and actually if you think about it, the limitations of of what was happening in a particular scene because do you remember a few weeks back we were talking about how with historical fiction there are different ways that different writers approach that where some people say that they don't look into the facts or investigate the plausibility of anything until they have just let everything go out on the page and they've written it to try to get it as authentic as possible and then they fact check or, or check up on it afterwards so that's quite a common way to do it it's interesting to hear you say that you do it the other way around you want to make sure that you're you're secure about what you're writing before you actually write it
0: I don't think it seems that I want to make sure it's just what comes naturally to me I just naturally think about yeah. Um, I like put put a put a scene together in a very kind of mechanical process. I think it's kind of maybe it's just the, my style of writing or just the way my brain works. But yeah. um
1: but that's the same thing, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so.
1: Um. So you don't believe in writers being a conduit for the, their characters, of hearing their or just letting them lead the pen or the, the the fingers on the on the keyboard.
0: No, we talked about this. About a month ago, it's ridiculous. It's nonsense. People actually—it's almost like they're giving their characters credit for what they what they've written themselves in a room with a computer or a pen. It's like it's just nonsense. You have a mm-hmm. a, a, a book, a song, a film. It's entirely constructed by people and their mm-hmm. brains, and um, and it's you know it's it's I don't I don't know why people say otherwise. I think it's just a romanticising. Um, what is a very a very straightforward process where someone thinks of something and writes it down over a long period of time
1: well it's um it seems to be an area that a few writers have written about and thought about but that there's not a lot of understanding of how how writers do this or whether it's important but in these articles that we'll share the notes for um It seems like it's an area that people are quite interested in researching a little bit to see how we interact with all our senses when we're reading or writing something. I think that's quite cool.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It's um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just my my frustration with that kind of way of thinking is I just think that people can't have it both ways. They can't. You can't kind of on one hand say you know bums in seats. You've got to sit down. You've got to do the work. You've got to write a thousand words every day, which we'll come on to later, and it's and and kind of and you know basically say, look, this is a process. You can't just uh, imagine this to happen, and it will. It's a mechanical process. And then on the other hand, say, ah, but my muse came down, and and uh, all of a sudden I was writing wonderful prose, and then you know I got into my characters, and they led me down the path of wonderful writing. And It's just you can't. They're they're, they're, they're opposite ideas, and only one of them is true. Hmm.
1: Well, there you have it.
0: Anyway, speaking of truth, it's true that Squarespace is a fantastic way to set up your own website. I don't know if you knew that.
1: Nice. No, but uh, I'd love to know
0: more. So this episode of the Right for Your Life podcast is brought to you by the wonderful Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio and online store. And you can get a free trial of uh, Squarespace by going to squarespace.com slash W-F-Y-L. And if you use the offer code WRITE, that's W-R-I-T-E, then uh, you will get 10% off, which is... A tremendous deal. And um, and uh, like I said earlier, I'm using Squarespace to redo my entire website now. I've said this before when we talked about Squarespace, but it is kind of the perfect solution for um, s- any writers out there who are looking to set up their own um, author platform or website. It pretty much does everything that you would want your website to do. and um, and, it, and it looks kind of fantastic. And I think probably the most important thing for us writers is that a lot of the time we aren't... We aren't coders. We aren't programmers. We're not designers either. And um, and all we really want to do is to set something up in a relatively short space of time and know that it will work well and it will look fantastic. And um, you can get that with Squarespace. And it's why I've decided to switch over to it and, uh, and, and embrace it uh, uh, for my new uh, website, which is going to be author slash freelance copywriter website. Anyway, I should Tremendo. tell you more. Tremendo. Indeed. I mean, I shall tell you more. Would you like to know more? About what? Squarespace. Oh, yeah. Because the thing I'd like to say is that Squarespace makes it simple and easy to create a beautiful design for your custom website using a drag and drop interface. And I say that like like an idiot, but it's actually true. That is the most uh, uh, fantastic thing about it is that it is just drag and drop. You don't have to do any coding, like I said earlier. It's just absolutely straightforward as can be to just move things into position. Um, they also help with 24-7 support, which is through live chat and email, so not by phone. And um, and that's all right by me. And um, they're located in New York, Dublin and Portland, which means that you can reach them at any time, no matter where you are in the world. Plans start at just $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Their templates include responsive design and every site comes with an online store too, so if you want to sell your books or if you want to kind of self-publish in your own kind of independent way without amazon or anything like that then you can do that straight from your squarespace site so to get started with a free trial which you do not need a credit card for you can start building your website immediately and all you have to do is go to squarespace.com slash wfyl and make sure that you use the offer code right and you'll get 10% off your order and of course you will show your support for. Right for your life, and uh, 5 by 5 at Lodge.
1: Excellent.
0: So I want to talk about word counts. And, um, is that okay?
1: Yeah, I was just wondering whether we should maybe just first do a quick you-know-what.
0: Oh, okay. Is, is that because you're, you're, are your fingers trembling?
1: No, but I do happen to be grasping the, um, I was going to say donger. I don't know what it's called. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't think we should call it a donger.
1: <laughs> I have no idea what this thing I'm holding is called to make xylophone music. What do you think it's called, the thing that you bash it with?
0: <laughs> um, what? A knocker. No, I don't I don't think it's called a knocker. What is the stick that you hit a xylophone with called? Mm, it's, it's, a baton? It's,
1: I wanna call it a knocker. A knocker can, blocker.
0: You can call it a what do you, do? Oh, you call it a knocker blocker.
1: Anyway <laughs> I have the knocker blocker in my hand. That's why I'm kinda of thinking, you know what? Actually it would be quite nice to do a quick listener's question.
0: Do you hold knocker blocker the entire time while we're recording? Of course
1: not. Most of the time I'm picking my nose.
0: With the knocker blocker?
1: <laughs> no, none of that was true. I am um only holding the knocker blocker for about 10 seconds the entire podcast does that answer your question anyway what about the listeners question
0: the listeners question that's
1: more important surely
0: it's oh it's the most important part of the show it always is and um, if anyone else has uh, uh, uh any listeners questions if you're if you're listening to this episode and you think i'd love to ask a, a question about writing reading or publishing then you can do so we encourage it just get in touch on twitter at ian broom i a i n b r w o m e or at the flying poet which is uh Donna's handle and you can ask us a question and uh, we've had one from um, Billy Jean at Billy Jean and that's Jean with a -A G-E-A-N Billy with a B-I-L-L-Y and uh, I don't know why I did those two words backwards but I did Um, and uh, Billy Jean has got in touch and said if bad things happen I'm going to do a little bit of editing on this as I say it if bad things are happening to your characters in the plot Oh no no no! That's not what she's asking. Oh, I've made a mess of it.
1: <laughs> You've completely destroyed Jude's no, question.
0: It's uh, and it's my fault. It's written in a. It's written in a perfectly acceptable way. If bad things happening to your characters is plot, and you don't write humour, how to balance light and dark?
1: Yeah. So if there's if there's a lot of crap happening. Oh, I've said crap again. I know you're going to bleep me. If there's a lot of bad stuff happening, and you, it's it's not a novel where you're going to go and then the chicken came in and fell over on the whoopee cushion how do you give readers a bit of light relief every so often
0: well it's difficult and this is something that i had to tackle and it's something that some reviewers not reviewers all the most of the reviewers are good the odd person on goodreads i don't call i wouldn't class them as reviewers (laughs) Just Can I say that? Her. Can I say that?
1: No you can't unfortunately. I guess. Well, it's about reviews.
0: Uh it's been it's been um, I I I made a YouTube video about this but my book as uh, Evangelica was has been uh, oft described as a as depressing, a depressing book and I find that a very difficult and uh, slightly uncomfortable term for people to use and but it's one that we all use all the time. We say things are depressing or you know like You could say like you made a bad cheese sandwich, and you think, "Oh, that was a depressing sandwich." And you know, and I know that I'm being a little kind of um, uh, over over picky here, but you know, depression itself as a thing is extremely serious and affects lots of people. And when we say something is depressing, I know that we don't really mean it's the same thing, but it is pretty much.
1: (laughs) We've we've hit a sensitive spot here.
0: Well, it's not a sensitive spot. Very luckily, I. I
1: I you I don't think you can use Aes Vangelica to answer this question for the simple reason that it is a humorous <laughs> book and that is exactly what the question said. It's you you in Aes Vangelica, the mood was lightened every so often with humour. It was regardless of, of whether everybody appreciated that and most people did appreciate it, didn't they? Well, this, this that is, I've read it so
0: far. This is what I was getting to, Donna.
1: No, but you but. <laughs> you were sorry it's just you were you were lost in your um
0: your your depression
1: thing there but that's how you did it and so how how can you use as for Angelica to answer that question because you did use humor
0: oh i how would you see have so done the question if you is...
1: hadn't used humor yeah okay because um Billie jean in her novel is not just going to be able to, to to put something in that that is slightly humorous if that's not the tone of her book
0: but light, so how to balance light and dark? but light isn't, the only the only way to write light, or whatever that means, is not, it doesn't have to be through humour, I mean, if someone, for example, if someone, if if your character is um, dying from something terrible, um, uh, th- there are lots of ways that you can add lightness into that, it's a very difficult subject to write about, it's probably going to be a difficult book to read, probably going to be very sad, but there can be moments of affection between characters. There can be um, uh, flashbacks to things that have happened in the past. Um, there can be all kinds of different ways where you can kind of pick out the good in life and make it part of your book because it is very. You know, there are there are some books which are just sad from start to finish. There are some films that are like that. I mean, I've the the film that I will never forget is. Um, by Studio Ghibli. Did I? We talk? Oh, I, I feel like we're in a constant loop. Did I talk about this before? The what's the film called? Where Alice Castle? No. Spirited Away. No.
1: What? Which? You want me to go for all of them? Yes. I can do. Laputa, Nausicaa.
0: No. Grave of the Fireflies.
1: Oh, I have to know. I haven't seen that one.
0: It's extremely sad. It's relentlessly sad and and brutal. And, um, and... Isn't that
1: nursula the Guin one? I don't no, know. No, no, that was the Earth sea. Sorry, carry on.
0: And, and, uh, and it was difficult to watch because of it. And there was, really was very little lightness in that. But uh, the way that you get around that, it has to be just, um, all to do with, with detail, I think. I think that's probably the key word. And, and yes, I used, tried to use uh, humour to kind of break up the kind of sad bits in my novel, but I also tried to show um, things that happened in the past that made the characters who they are now and what they are now. And they weren't all bad things. They were, you know, good things. You know, look at when we were happy, that kind of thing. Look at all these different, different kind of uh, facets of these characters that that go to making up the one that's going through whatever's particularly dark or sad at that particular time.
1: Yeah. I was thinking about moments of, like beauty or like realizations about things that the reader can have a realization as well That is, that will take their mind off what's happening. I was actually, you know, this is, might sound a little bit controversial, but I was thinking, really, there must be some books where the only relief from the misery are is when the chapter ends and you can decide whether you take a bit of a breather from uh, carrying on reading the next chapter. I mean, I guess it's not uh, every writer that thinks that they... Are going to give their reader a break because they their break could be putting the book down for a bit, if they feel it's authentic to not give them a break.
0: Yeah, I guess so, and um and I think I've probably done that lots of times where I've, you know, you do. I, I don't, I don't know. so say you do with films. I do with Breaking Bad. I know that because I've been getting bad. I've been getting bad dreams. Aww. And, uh, About the
1: eyes floating around in the swimming pool.
0: No, that's we're way past that now. We're well into the last season, but we we, we sort of powered through season four because we were so into it and uh, watching like a couple of episodes um, in one go, three episodes in one go, and I've just been having terrible dreams because of it. And we did get to a point where I, you know, I sort of said, I don't think we can. I don't think I can. I don't want any more bad dreams tonight, and um, and so yeah, I had a bit of a break from it. And you know, maybe books are the same. Maybe people people can uh, readers can sort of stop.
1: Of course, you can. I guess what you don't want is them to stop and not pick it back up again because they've had enough. I'm. Um, I mean, you're not. No one's going to be impressed to hear that I am still reading a girl as a half Form thing, um, which um,
0: mm.
1: I started out by saying is really good. I would say I'm not being given a break from the darkness in this book
0: It's a good example it's a it's a fantastic book in lots of lots of ways, but it is relentlessly
1: relentlessly um yes
0: difficult to read not, and bleak
1: not cheerful yes um do you remember jude Thomas Hardy's story? Did you ever read that
0: um I remember it, but I did not read it.
1: Thomas Hardy, someone that never gave anyone a blum and break. My goodness, that is—I couldn't, I couldn't cope with Thomas Hardy. It was just too depressing. There's that word, yeah. But they are—they are seriously bleak and depressing situations that there is no relief from, no relief from them.
0: But you have to remember that some people like reading that type of book. I think that I naturally like reading books that are not necessarily sad or dark, but that have. Some grit to them in some way. I don't read happy books really. I mean, that's a really ridiculous sentence. That but is so ridiculous.
1: I think you need to actually. Uh, I,
0: I'm attracted. I'm attracted off. to. I'm attracted to books that are, that are kind of uh, have like a I don't know sort of darkness to them in some way. I don't. I don't but, particularly. But I know think why.
1: everybody. I think that's human nature. I think that we all, though, as readers, have our. Our situations or are associations with things that we don't like. And that and that's just the way it is that some, like with Thomas Hardy with me, it's like the, you know, 500 years ago or however long ago it was ago in the UK where everyone was dying when they were like 20 and all the children were dying and, and everybody was sick all the time and nobody had any food. That kind of thing, I, I have to be honest, I'm not going to pick books up about that. Well, this very is... Often
0: to finish this section off that's what and to circle back to what i was saying and why i sort of started off talking about my book apart <laughs> from, <laughs> some, <part> from <laughs> some shameless promotion but the fact that it was described as a depressing book and and uh by uh, you know a very small handful of people but um and and just that you know this is this is too bleak you know just it was just like you know one star this is the most depressing book i've ever read <laughs> someone said that um I I I my reaction was what are you doing reading this book for if that's if if something if you don't like reading that type of book then why are you reading the book and and why are you upset at the book if that's the type of book it is which has got like a very difficult subject matter and is ultimately got a lot of potential to be quite sad in places because of it and that's not your thing don't read it there are loads of books out there it's not the book's fault it's not the author's fault it's just you that's picked the wrong book in it Like I don't, it's it's like me picking up um, like a a a romance novel, um, which I don't like and I'm not into. It's like me reading it and going, oh, this. Leaving a review, one star. This book was too romantic. I hate romantic books. Get out of my life. Do not read this book. Do not, do not read this book. It is romantic. It's exactly like that.
1: Right. I know what you're getting for Christmas from me.
0: A nice big batch of Barbara (laughs) Cartland. (laughs)
1: Actually, I don't know whether I would know a romantic book if... Well, of course I'd know a romantic book if I saw one because they've got pink covers and girls on them. Um, But I'm not the best person to um, be sending you that kind of present. Great. Well, did we answer the listener's question?
0: I don't know if we've answered anything this week.
1: Oh, stop it. How much time would you estimate we've got left of this week's Right for Your Life, Ian?
0: I think for our main topic this week, we have around six minutes.
1: Well, then you had better crack on with it.
0: Word counts. Everyone likes them, and uh, now I do too.
1: And why do you like them now?
0: Well, let me tell you about the project target feature in Scrivener. So, also before I do that, let me tell you about Scrivener because uh, uh, Scrivener is a uh, is something that a lot of you will know about. I'm sure it's a piece of writing software available for the Mac, available for Windows, and um, it's kind of an all in one type of thing, so you don't just write in Scrivener, it also provides lots of ways for you to organise and create notes and keep your research in one place, and you can also export uh, export your work into different formats if you want to self-publish it, and it's kind of an all-singing, all-dancing writing application and I've used it for all of this second novel so far and I like it, but I never quite felt like I've used it enough um, or kind of really looked in uh, deeply into all its different things. And the project target feature is a very small thing, a very insignificant thing, really, in the grand scheme of features on apps. But the revelation I had about word counts is most people say things like you should try and write a thousand words a day. And as we've said so many times with kids and with the job and all those kinds of things, if you're writing for your life, Donna, then a thousand words a day is quite challenging because some days you just don't have uh, the time to write a thousand words. Um,
1: Well, quite, yes.
0: But using the project target feature in the way that I have and the way that it's designed uh, to be used, um, I've wondered whether maybe it's not about the word count. Maybe it's not about the daily word count. And the reason I thought that is because the way it works is rather than say I'm, Going to write a thousand words a day, which you can do. you can kind of take that route if you want rather than do that the way that I've done it and the way that I would recommend is more sensible for people who are have certain sort of time challenges is to set a rough total of words for the entire thing so in for my in my case, I know my first novel came out around sixty five thousand words, and so I think this one will be roughly the same, but just in case I put, I thought, you know, give myself some leeway. So I said, okay, I'm going to write 70,000 words. That's my overall total. And then I put a really sensible date by which I want to finish the first draft by. Um, And I, at first I put just after Christmas. And then I thought, that's not a, that's not sensible. That is not pragmatic. I'm not going to get that done. I'm just, I am just know that I'm not. It's too much. I just haven't got the amount of hours in the day available to get that done. So I thought, well, let's pick another date. And I went for the 1st of April. So that's just over six months away. Um, and what Scrivener does for you is it takes the 70,000 words, in my case, um, and it says, OK, you want to get it done by this date, Here's how many words you would need to do a day in order to achieve that goal.
1: That's great.
0: Guess how many it worked out at. Um,
1: from now when did you set a deadline?
0: And I didn't I didn't do this math by the way. I just put I just I don't think people should. I don't think you should go well I want I, what I'm saying is I don't think you should say I want to write this many words a day. I think you should say yeah. how long you think it will take to do and how many words you think the overall thing will be. So don't do but the math. You mass.
1: said I won't do the math, but i'm totally not going to do the math. no i want you to I do just, the maths but as a I writer i just need to know you said how many months
0: uh first of april so just over six months in yeah. uh, seventy thousand uh words i've already written a, f- a, a okay, day so i've already written a few thousand
1: okay so probably a day it said like 600 words
0: 329 words a day
1: <sighs> that
0: is achievable doesn't it sound achievable
1: Well, it sounds achievable because you can like, oh, I skipped yesterday and now I've got to do um, 640 words and that's fine.
0: That is true. But what I found this week, I've only been doing this for one week, uh, not even a week, five days or whatever it is. I thought that as well. And then I thought, but oh God, if I miss three days and this is some basic mass for you, that would be 900 and something. <laughs> that's not basic <laughs> mass. that's bad math. Um, bad
1: maths, yep.
0: And then I thought, well, I'm quickly back up to a thousand words. Um, oh, every
1: th- three days, and then you started to see that as, yeah, and exactly. then it seemed unobtainable.
0: However, this is what's happened to me, and I'm not saying that this will continue to be like this, I hope it is though. What's happened is that, um, because it seems so achievable, I've, and I, I've sat down and I've written those words, and you get a little. You get a little message comes up in the top corner when you hit. In my case, oh. my 329 words. It comes up and says, "Hey, well done! You've you've hit your 329 words." And now what, what I, about
1: if you go over?
0: Well, what I've been doing is uh, is just I just kept writing because that happens. 329 words is, is um, few enough for it to be for it to kind of happen within about an hour maximum. I mean, it's been less, actually, and probably should Mm. be less. But um, um, that's happened, and I've just kept going. And And then it
1: readjusts the total, and eventually there'll be some days where you only have to write, like, 50 words or something. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds great. I really like the idea of this.
0: So if you set a low number and... That's the wrong word. I'm not setting a low number. I'm setting an achievable date with, um, uh, with uh, a kind of a, a good estimate of how long I think the novel will be. But if I have, if you have that low target, of, in my case, three hundred twenty-nine, it feels really, really good to exceed it and carry on. It feels a lot, lot different to saying a thousand words and only and only writing eight hundred, which totally. is still a failure.
1: <laughs> Small victories make you feel
0: good. Indeed. And well, I, just, I think go on well, and, I think and, you've had your six minutes that's all I'm saying carry <laughs> <it>. <laughs> and that's, that is true um, yeah so what I, I just get i had been thinking to myself what if I what if I'd have not set a thousand words a day but I'd have set five hundred words a day which is basically what I've been writing what if I'd done that? I would. The feeling would be entirely different. I'd have just been scraping it every day, and I'd been the next day. I've been thinking, oh God, I've got to do, I've got yeah, to do 500 words sure. a day, and, it, and it's. I know it's achievable. It's definitely more achievable than 1,000 words a day. I'm not going to. I'm not punishing myself anymore. It's achievable, 500 words a day. But God, I'm only just scraping it. And God, what if I miss it? And it's just. It's made so much difference already. I can really feel like it's something that I can do as someone with with other life pressures it's yes and i'm sure there are some people listening to this potentially who write who do write a thousand words a day or they write thousands of words a week and they they you, you may well be listening at home scoffing at me but for the
1: rest of everybody it sounds like a good plan to say okay i'd like to finish my book say next may so what i do is i'll say realistically i'm going to finish it six months after that use that as a target and then you might you'll you'll get there quicker ultimately because you'll be more motivated every day to do it
0: exactly now would you like to know uh the rough guides as provided by wikipedia they don't quite tally with what i'd thought but they're not far off um the kind of general idea of word counts for various formats
1: yes that would be absolutely fantastic will you put it in the show notes
0: i will put this in the show notes and and would you like to uh do this in a quiz style yeah. Uh, should, we do, should we do it quickly?
1: Yes, do that. And I, before we do this, I should also say that um, for people writing children's fiction, there's a great article in Reader's Writers Digest, not Reader's Digest, that we will also put in the show notes for different age groups and what you should aim for word count wise. But go on, test me. Okay. I'm going to be rubbish at this.
0: So so I, I provide this information in case you need to input it into uh, Scrivener or uh, calculator yourself. A short story, what would you say is uh, the typical word count for a short story?
1: 3,000 words.
0: That's what I would have said. I would say that's a very good average, but of course some are longer and some are shorter. The advice here on Wikipedia is under 7,500 words. I think anything over that you are getting out of short story territory. Okay. What about a novelette, which is a phrase I've never heard before? (laughs) Hmm.
1: 10,000 words. I
0: think it's a female novel.
1: Sure. Racist. 10,000 words
0: 7,500 fi- 7, to
1: 17,500 words oh I was close
0: well you were in the you were in the uh proverbial close is
1: incorrect <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: okay yeah
1: I'll uh, take that
0: uh a, a novella which is a more recognized format I
1: like half a novel I don't know maybe 30,000
0: That's what I would have said before I looked at this page. I would have said 30,000 words-ish is about a novella length. It says here 17,500 to 40,000 words.
1: So I got that one right as well. Well, Okay. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. Next.
0: And a novel. Now, this just says novel. Now, I think that there's some caveats to talk about here, but okay, a novel.
1: One million words. I'm only joking. 100,000.
0: Well, it, all it says here is over forty thousand words. But I think if you've written a, a novel of like forty five thousand words, I think you probably you've probably written something that's neither one thing nor t'other.
1: Maybe um, unless it's uh, on Chesil Beach. No, maybe that's a novella.
0: I would say that's a novella. I would say that uh, a sense of an ending by Julian Barnes novella, even though it won the Booker Prize as a novel. Jeez. It's a, is that
1: that? I is that the film with Julianne Moore? I I hated that so much.
0: I I've not seen the film.
1: Anyway, sorry, we are digressing again, and we are surely
0: about to run out of time. We're we'll, we're getting there. Have you got somewhere to go?
1: <laughs> I'm anxious to tell you what the knocker blocker that uh, we hit the xylophone with is called.
0: Okay, well, I'm looking forward to that, but let me just yeah, finish. Yeah, anyway,
1: carry on. To finish off the list. Yeah. So,
0: so that's what. That's what Wikipedia says. It says anything over forty thousand words is a novel. I'm not so sure. I think you need to be looking at over sixty thousand words to be kind of a full-length novel. And the guide that we were given when I was on my MA was seventy thousand words. I also right. think it. I also think it depends on what genre you write. I think a lot of fantasy novels um, are much longer. You're looking at hundred thousand words plus generally. They don't have to be. None of these things are absolutes. You can write as much as you darn well want. But um, well, I
1: read somewhere whether that that's because of world building that people take that into account
0: and also because it's the kind of epic nature of these things people sort of have kind of a, a perception of what it what it what things should be don't they mm. um so so that that was it and i did have some tips for uh uh for uh trying to make sure that you hit your deadline but as i've only been doing it for about five days i probably i'm probably no one to talk
1: well maybe good next week you can uh, so you can say how it's going and then give tips
0: well, everyone's going to be looking forward to that.
1: They certainly are. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be with you next week, am I?
0: That's true. I'd forgotten about that.
1: I'm going to be um, lying on a beach with uh, Margarita. Who's that? <laughs> my long-lost aunt. Um, I am um, going to try to do some writing. When I come back from my holidays, everybody, I will um, hopefully be able to, uh, to say that I've written a new novel. I'll certainly be able to hopefully say that I've had some ideas for things I'd like to write because I've had the headspace for it so we shall see Um,
0: well have a have a wonderful holiday we should say that thank you for your thank
1: you thanks before I go can I now reveal what the knock-a-blocker thing for the xylophone is called
0: we're we're all waiting with bated breath it
1: is the least exciting word you've ever heard in your life it's a mallet okay that is the technical term. No wonder we didn't know what it was called because it was just called a mallet. Wow. So on that low note, sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, that's it, isn't it?
0: That's it. I will see you next week. We should add that. We're not going away. I will be doing no, a Ian show. No, Ian will be there. I'll be here. I'll be sat right here doing a show. I've got some ideas of who I would like to do the show with, but I haven't asked them yet, and they may say no. Stephen King? Um no uh i don't i don't it's, uh, <laughs> small fry
1: yeah well it, i'm sure it'll be wonderful and i hope you have a great time uh you too thank you very much
0: and um you can get me on twitter at ianbroom.com oh, no that's my web address go to my website ianbroom.com on twitter i'm just ianbroom there's no dot com that won't go anywhere and uh they can find you at the flying poet and um, and that's your lot. We shall uh, speak, to, I shall speak to you next week and Donald will speak to you in when? Three weeks?
1: Yeah. So see you soon, everyone. See ya. Bye.